Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Let's talk about maintenance today. I'm going to discuss when you're, how to know you're ready for maintenance, the difference between build mode and maintenance mode, and how to measure muscle mass in this episode. Before we get into today's episode, I would be so appreciative if you left a rating interview, whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Apple or Spotify. If you are watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment. If you are listening on Apple, you can leave your um, review and put any topics that you'd like to see in that review. I read those, so that can be a great way for you to request new topics. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. I do hesitate to talk about these things because I think that women, not just women, a lot of people are afraid to strength train and build muscle. And I really think that women may be tempted to lean into maintenance mode too soon when they could really benefit from continuing to be in build mode. And I really want to talk about that today in the beginning of this episode. I always have to preface as well that Evlo is not a weight loss program. We are a muscle building program. We'll talk about body composition and we're even get into fat loss a little bit in this episode and kind of play off of some of the topics that we talked about in last week's episode about body recomposition. And again, I know there are many people who listen to the podcast who are not here for body recomposition reasons, and they're here for health overall health reasons. And I just wanted to give you that disclaimer and give you full permission to skip this episode if you'd like. So today we're going to talk about how to know if you should be in maintenance mode and how to do it if you think you're ready for it. So maintenance can be a great place to be. And basically it just means that you're happy with the muscle mass that you have and you want to keep it. You can kind of selectively do this because some muscle groups will respond to training faster than others. For instance, some people's upper body grows faster and easier than their lower body. I think part of this has to do with exercise selection and part of it has to do with neuromuscular wiring. It's something we'll get into later on in this episode. But if you're one of those people who you're like, my upper body grows fast and I'm happy with the muscle that I have there. Now I want to focus more on my legs and continue to be in build mode for my legs. You can kind of selectively do that a little bit. Um, that said, I don't want you to neglect any muscle group. I think that many people will neglect certain muscle groups and selectively strengthen others. And I think this is, can do you a big disservice in your joint stability, overuse, things like that. A lot of people will do this for the quads. So they have been told somewhere along the line that they're quad dominant, which isn't actually a thing. We'll talk about that someday, but, and so they just stop working their quads altogether, which I do not recommend. I don't think that we should neglect any of our muscle groups. And I also don't want to say that you should work X muscle group more often because you want it to grow faster and build mode takes a lot more recovery. So working it more often might be counterproductive. And again, I'll talk about that here in a moment, but if you're someone who your upper body gains muscle faster than your lower body or vice versa, you can kind of continue to build your lower and maintain your upper. So that's something that I'll get into. But before I get into how to maintain your muscle mass, I first want to talk about how to know if you're ready to maintain building muscle mass as early as possible is truly one of the most anti-aging things you can do for yourself. Depending on where you get your data, you start to lose three to 8% of muscle mass per decade after the age of 30, if you are not consciously maintaining or building it. So that's a lot, right? Three to 8% per decade. 
And this age-related muscle loss begins to accelerate in your 60s and beyond. So if you aren't loading your muscles intentionally and you aren't fueling properly with food, you can really start to notice changes in your lean mass and your body composition after just a few years. It can sneak up on you pretty quickly. So let's go through an example that I think isn't far from what many women experience. And I think this might help illustrate the importance of this because I know that this like three to 8% loss of lean mass can kind of be hard to conceptualize and like understand how that can really affect you. So let's take an example. Let's say you are a 140 pound female and you have 75% lean mass at the age of 30. So if you have 75% lean mass, presumably you'd have about 25% body fat, which would be considered in a quote unquote normal range. This is a totally arbitrary example. So please don't get too caught up in the numbers, but let's say this 30 year old female is moderately active, maybe doing some cardio, but you know, she's not loading her muscles very significantly. So because she's moving her body, but she's not necessarily focused on loading muscles or hypertrophy, let's assume that again, muscle is a use it or lose it type of system. So let's assume that she's still going to lose muscle, but she's on the lower end of that sarcopenia percentage of that muscle loss percentage around like, let's say 4% per decade. So by the time two decades have passed, she's now 50 Maybe her weight hasn't changed, but she's lost 4% lean mass over those last 20 years, over those last two decades. So she's still the same weight at age 50 that she was at age 30. She's still 140 pounds, but now her body um, composition has shifted. She's now 67% lean mass and 33% body fat. And this is a fairly significant shift in body composition, right? Something that you would definitely notice. And what a lot of women do at this time is it sneaks up on them and they notice the changes in their body composition and they increase their cardio more and they decrease calories. They cut calories. And this combination oftentimes, especially when it's done like aggressively may accelerate their muscle loss even more because they aren't loading muscles or fueling properly. So this increase in cardio, decrease in calories combined with the sarcopenia effects that are accelerating around this time of life due to menopause can really start to affect muscle loss. And this is one of the reasons for a change in body composition during this time in life. Fat levels may continue to increase while muscle decreases. This can also have a spiraling effect on body composition because of muscles effect on insulin. Muscle is very metabolically active and the more muscle mass you have, the more likely you are to be insulin sensitive. And when you're insulin sensitive, your body can utilize fat for fuel, but a focus on building muscle in your early thirties can put you on a completely different trajectory. Let's say that that same person who is 140 pounds at the age of 30 with 75% lean muscle mass, let's say they now have a goal of gaining just half a pound per year on average for the next two decades. So every single year, their goal is to gain around half a pound of muscle. That's it. So maybe some years they get a bit more than that. Maybe some years they have something going on. And so they get less than that, or maybe they even lose a little bit, but on average, they're gaining half a pound over every single year over the span of 20 years. So this person has spent the last two decades trying to maintain and maybe gain a little bit each year. So now this person is 50 and they weigh 140 pounds. By now they have slowly gained 10 pounds of muscle over two decades. 
So now their body composition is 82% lean mass and 18% body fat, even though they weigh the exact same that they did when they're 30, but they could look completely different. So now they're much likely much stronger. Their joints probably feel better because they aren't killing themselves and overusing their body with tons of cardio. They have more freedom with food because their insulin sensitivity has improved. This is how this same person with a different goal over the span of two decades can completely put themselves on a different trajectory. Now, even if this person gains 15 pounds of fat over the same time period, they are still at 74% lean mass and 26% fat mass compared to the 33% fat percentage who lost muscle and was focused on cardio and cutting calories, but stayed the same weight. So again, this is how you can really put yourself into an upward spiral and set yourself up for success long-term. And we obviously don't want lots of muscle just because it makes you look good. I mean, that's an added benefit, right? Is that it makes you look good and healthy. When you build muscle, you're also loading your bones. So anytime you have a hypertrophy routine, you are not only building your muscle, but you're loading your bones, which improves bone density. This also makes you more resilient as you age, allows you to be more independent and active and mobile. The list goes on and on. So it's not just about how you look, although that is definitely an added bonus. You really just set yourself up for a bigger cushion. If you have, you know, let's say you have a season of life where you can't exercise regularly, or, you know, maybe you had a baby, or maybe you have something going on in your career where you just can't put in the time, or maybe something stressful happens that makes you lose more muscle, but you have invested and you've put money in the bank, so to speak, so that when life happens, you have more wiggle room, you have invested muscle on your body so that you have better insulin sensitivity. You're not like, you know, putting yourself into this downward spiral. So this is why I really encourage most of us to aim to kind of always be in slow build mode, slow build mode. We're not looking for drastic changes. Again, half a pound over one year is super achievable for most people. Or, you know, at the very least, sometimes you're in build mode and sometimes you're in maintenance mode. But for the most part, I think being in this slow build mode is a really great place to be because that way you aren't in a rush to change your body and you actually create sustainable habits for the rest of your life. And you have invested in lots of protective muscle when you need it down the line. Many women are afraid of getting quote unquote bigger by building muscle. And I want to talk about that. And we did a one question Monday last week about getting bulky. I want to add to that just a little bit. So when you build muscle, you build more mass, right? You build more lean mass. You can build muscle and not lose fat at the same time, which will increase overall mass and perhaps make you feel bigger. But when you're focused on fueling properly, you can lose fat and, and gain muscle at the same time. It's a slower process than just focusing on fat loss or just focusing on muscle gain because you have to be really mindful of your macros. And I talked about that in the body recomposition episode last week. That's episode number 77, Fit Body Happy Joints. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that very common fear. Another common reason women panic when they first start strength training is that they feel bigger in the beginning or they feel like they look bigger in like something like the very first month or two. And they assume that this is because they started strength training and they all of a sudden just loaded on a ton of muscle and bulked up. This is generally not what's happening. They're generally not seeing this, um, bigger feeling or feeling bigger because they added a lot of muscle. 
it's very unlikely that this is happening because unless you're on steroids, that first month or so is mostly neuromuscular strength gain. It's usually not hypertrophy strength gain. And if it's hypertrophy, if you're adding muscle, it's really not super significant in that first month. The reason you may feel overall bigger is generally due to water retention due to cell swelling. So I went over this in detail in episode number 52, but this is temporary and it will go away after your body gets more accustomed to strength training. But it's a shame because I think many women will stop training after a short period of time because they think that they're bulking up when in reality, it's probably just a bit of temporary water retention. So I bring these two things up because I think women are afraid of quote unquote getting bulky. So they may go into maintenance mode way too soon when I think that if they were more patient with the process, they could have really set themselves up for that upward spiral. Okay. So most important part of the episode with all of that in mind, let's get into how to know if you're ready for maintenance and when you should be in maintenance. First of all, I think you can go in and out of maintenance. You may be in a season of your life where you have the capacity to add a bit more muscle. And maybe you're in a season of your life where, you know, you're more stressed and you have less ability to recover. You have less ability to focus on your nutrition and maintenance might seem a little bit more achievable during that time than building. So I think that you can kind of weave in and out of build mode and maintenance mode, but there are four considerations that come to mind when you want to decide if you're going into maintenance. Number one, your genetics. Number two, your age. Number three, your recovery capabilities based on the season of your life. And number four, your aesthetic preferences. So let's go over each starting with genetics. If you're someone who has historically built built muscle quickly and easily, you may be able to maintain relatively quickly and stay in maintenance mode for a long time. But like I said earlier, please don't confuse that beginner bloat with thinking that genetically you build muscle very easily. So make sure I would say that you're giving it at least three months before you determine if you're someone who builds muscle very quickly, because again, that three month period is most likely the time where you are going to start adding muscle and you might see it come on, um, more quickly. So if you're someone on the other side who struggles to gain muscle like me, you may kind of always be in build mode, or it may take you a longer time to get into maintenance. As I talked about last week in the body recomposition episode, my goal this year was to gain five pounds of muscle. And my goal next year is probably to more or less maintain. I might kind of try to be in build mode a little bit, but I might stay in that maintenance mode, but it's taken me a really long time to get to this place. So that brings me to the next thing to consider, which is age. And unfortunately we lose more lean mass as we get older. And this is why you really want to set yourself up for success in your twenties and your thirties and your forties to really focus on building lean mass when it is hormonally easier. But as you approach 50 and beyond, it does get a bit more difficult, but of course it's never too late and you can always, always continue to progress. But if you're someone who's 50 or older and you struggle to gain muscle mass, you may be, you know, in this build mode kind of going forward to offset and potentially reverse the side effects of aging and sarcopenia. And again, I'm going to talk about how to be in build mode here in just a moment. And of course, this isn't to say that if you're older than 50, you can never be in maintenance mode. If you feel happy with your muscle mass, then you can absolutely stay in maintenance. So this isn't like a cut and dry kind of thing. It's just one of those things, one of the factors to consider as you're deciding if you want to be in build mode or maintenance mode. 
And then if you transition to maintenance and you notice you're losing muscle mass, it's not the end of the world because hopefully by that time, by the time you try to go into maintenance, you have learned what you have to do, how you have to eat, how you have to train to build. And so you know how to do it. So you just go back into build mode and build back maybe what you've lost. And it's not a huge deal. I think giving yourself space to kind of tinker is really important. And then you know, lastly, I think something that's important to consider is the season of life that you're in. And like I touched on earlier, this kind of tailoring your training, depending on what's going on in your life, I think is super important to stay consistent. I'm currently going through a season where I can focus more on my nutrition and sleep this summer. You know, I wasn't as focused on my nutrition. I'm now going through a season where I am a little bit more focused on it, especially during the week. So this might be a time where I can be in more of a build mode, knowing that I can dedicate proper recovery to my training. However, if we have kids down the line, this may be a time where I want to be in more of a maintenance mode and that might feel more achievable for me. I'll probably be getting a lot less sleep. I'll probably have more stress. And so my body may not be able to tolerate the increased stress that comes with being in more of a build mode. So having the freedom to kind of move in and out of maintenance, I think is really great. And then I I said, that was the last thing. This is the last thing. The last thing to consider is aesthetics. So there's four things. The last thing to consider is aesthetics, which is more or less important for certain people, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And you may want more or less muscle depending on your preferences. You may also notice that some muscle groups grow faster than others. So you may move into maintenance for your arms and continue to build your legs, for example. Okay. So that's how to know when and if you're ready for maintenance. So there's four things to consider your genetics. So how quickly you build muscle. Some people may take a little bit longer, so they may be in build mode, build mode longer. Some people may build muscle easier. So they may be in maintenance mode sooner. The second is your age. So again, if you're older, you may consider being in build mode more often than maintenance mode, your recovery capabilities based on the season of your life. If you're super stressed, you may be in more of a maintenance mode than a build mode. And then lastly, your aesthetic preferences. Okay. So that's how to know when and if you're ready for maintenance. Let's now talk about the difference between maintenance mode and build mode, something that I've been alluding to this entire episode so far. So when it comes to maintaining, building, or losing muscle, it all comes back to protein synthesis and protein degradation. I always say that word wrong. I say this every single episode, degradation. (laughs) So protein build, muscle build, and muscle breakdown. When you build protein synthesis or the building of the new tissue has to be greater than protein degradation. When you maintain, they are about equal. And when you lose muscle, protein breakdown is greater than protein synthesis. Muscle loss happens often when you aren't eating enough protein to fuel the synthesis. If you aren't loading your muscles, remember muscles are usually use it or lose it. And commonly, if you are doing too much cardio while you're in a calorie deficit. So that is often the formula for losing muscle. So again, not eating enough protein, not loading your muscles properly, and perhaps overstressing your body with too much cardio while you're in a deficit. Building is when you are breaking down muscle enough, but also eating and recovering enough so that protein synthesis is greater than protein breakdown. So protein synthesis, the build up has to be more than the breakdown in order to add new tissue. Makes sense, right? And then maintenance is when you continue to load the muscle, but potentially not break it down as much as you would when you're in build mode. 
and you are eating properly so that the synthesis and the breakdown are about equal. So essentially protein synthesis and protein degradation would be equal so that you would maintain the muscle mass that you have. And again, there's gray areas in between, of course. So what's the difference in training between maintenance mode and build mode? I think the easiest way to transition to maintenance is probably to, you know, do the same workout schedule, but decrease the intensity of your lifts. And I like to do this because I think that a lot of times if we change our schedule too much, it kind of throws everything off. So it keeps you consistent. And I also think that this is going to be the most reliable way to make sure you aren't losing muscle is to keep the same schedule more or less, but just decrease the intensity of your lifts. In build mode, you want to get close to failure in pretty much every set. So this means you're really feeling it towards the end of your set. You may feel like you only have like three, four reps left in you before you went to complete failure and couldn't lift the weight again. In maintenance mode, however, you want to fatigue the muscle, but you don't have to get as close to failure. So it's probably a little bit more pleasant than being in build mode. I'm not going to (laughs) lie because you're still loading the muscle and you're still breaking it down, but you're not creating as much stress and damage in the tissue because you're not getting close to that failure point. So to help you kind of make this process easier to measure for yourself, you can use the RPE scale. So the RPE scale is the rate of perceived exertion. And this is a little bit subjective, but this is a like a tool that you can use for yourself to determine if you're getting close to that failure point where you'd be in build mode, or if you're in that more of like burn um, fatigue point where it's more maintenance. So this is how you self-rate how hard you're working, RPE scale. So you give yourself an RPE rating from one to 10 towards the end of your set. So let's say, you know, you're finishing out your set. You have a few more moments, maybe like, you know, 10 more seconds, eight more seconds of your set. And you're going to give yourself this RPE scale. One would be little or no work. Like you're barely doing anything. Um, you have a lot left in you. And then 10 being like, if you did one more rep, your muscle would tear off the bone. (laughs) So you're just going to give yourself a rating of one to 10 for maintenance. You might be in those last few reps, you might be around a five, six, seven RPE. And then for build mode, you might be closer to like an eight, maybe even a nine. Don't confuse this RPE scale with overall fatigue, right? It's more localized to the muscle itself. So you want to say like, okay, my bicep is at you know, a five, six, seven RPE. My bicep is at an eight or a nine RPE rather than like my heart is pounding out of my chest because I'm doing a million burpees, right? We're talking about hypertrophy. So we're talking about the effort in the muscle itself, not all over effort. So don't confuse this with like, okay, my heart's beating, you know, faster, or I'm sweating a lot, or I'm breathing really hard. Although that will happen usually when you get closer to this eight or nine, uh, RPE scale, even if you're working smaller muscles, a lot of times your heart rate will definitely increase, but it's again, more about how hard that muscle itself is working. So again, if you're doing a bicep curl, when you are approaching the end of your set, which we recommend, you know, 60 to 90 seconds per set, if you're an Evelyn member, you don't have to worry about that timing. We do all the timing for you. But once you're approaching the end of that set, maybe the last eight, 10 seconds, you're giving yourself a rating. Okay. Am I at a five? Am I a six, seven, eight, nine? Where am I on this scale? Am I at, you know, 
a three or a four. Okay. Maybe that means I need to increase my weight next time. Maybe that means I need to go a little bit longer so that you can get closer to that five, six, seven, if you're in maintenance and then definitely getting closer to that eight, nine, if you're in build. So an eight would be like the muscle is really screaming, potentially trembling. You notice that you might be tempted to use other body parts to complete the lift and compensate. Maybe you clench your jaw or you maybe even feel like you have to make like audible noises to complete the motion. Um, so that's how you kind of know that you're close to that build mode. You're in that eight or nine RPE. A five, six, or seven would feel a little different. So you definitely feeling the muscle talking and burning at this point. You're definitely starting to struggle. It's starting to feel spicy and fatigued and you're getting close to the point where like, okay, if I did this for a lot longer, I would for sure get close to failure, but you're stopping, you know, before you hit that point. So you could still probably complete maybe like five to 10 more reps before you got to failure. So those are kind of the differences. And I know that this is subjective, but again, getting used to feeling and grading this for yourself can be a great tool to use. Okay. So how would you train if you want to be in build mode for certain muscles and maintenance mode for others? So maybe this seems obvious, maybe not, but let's go, let's go into it anyways. So there are various reasons why some muscles build faster than others. Number one, a lot of times it's exercise selection. So some exercises are more effective at loading muscles than others. And Evlo, we're really trying to give you the most effective exercises for every single muscle group, but there's lots of exercises out there that maybe aren't loading muscles very effectively or effectively as it seems. And so that could be a big reason why you're not seeing growth in a certain muscle. For instance, let's say you're doing a program that's let's say you're trying to grow your glutes and you're mainly just doing like hip bridges and hip thrusts and donkey lifts and things like that, where you're feeling the burn for sure. But because those exercises are more late phase loaded, they're less likely to contribute to significant muscle hypertrophy. So we want to earlier phase load those muscles in things like step-ups and things like lunge variations, Bulgarians, things like that. So exercise selection is a big reason for why you might see certain muscle groups grow and you might see other muscle groups lag. And then secondly, if you are choosing exercises that are effective, effectively loading your muscles, it could be because of your neuromuscular wiring. So some there's theories that the upper body tends to hypertrophy faster because we use our upper body, our upper limbs for more dexterous tasks. So like writing and typing and things where we have to get more precise with our movements. Whereas for our legs, we're using our legs more for like ambulation and walking and like big motor movements, less precise. So the theory, and it's just a theory, I don't think this is proven at all, but it does make sense, is that we have less, um, less or worse, I guess, neuromuscular wiring to our legs than we do to our arms. And so our arms hypertrophy faster. Now, what's really cool is that you can improve the wiring to any muscle by, you know, what you're thinking about during the lift itself. You are picturing the muscle contracting. Maybe you tap it. Maybe you touch it. Maybe you look up where it originates and inserts and picture it contracting. I always say we want to challenge muscles, not challenge movements. So when you can improve that neuromuscular wiring, the brain to muscle connection, you will see better gains in that muscle. So those are all reasons why you might see some areas growing faster than others. But 
let's say that, okay, you know, I want to be in maintenance mode now for my, uh, let's say I want to be in maintenance mode for my quads and I want to be in build mode for my glutes. And again, I, I really hesitate to say this at all because I don't want y'all to think that you should just stop working your quads altogether or really, really hammer your glutes. I don't think that you should do that, but you can kind of grade this a little bit for yourself. So you could just take the RPE scale and for a quad exercise, maybe you're staying around that five, six mark. And then for RPE for your glutes, maybe you go to that eight or nine eight or nine mark. And I guarantee you that if you change just this small thing, you're doing the exact same exercise, you're doing the exact same routine, but you're changing this RPE skill for a different muscle group, you might see more growth in your glutes and your quads might kind of stay the same. So that's a tool that you can use um, if you want to build certain muscles and stay in maintenance for others. Okay. What changes in your training should you do if you want to maintain muscle mass and cut fat? And again, I always hesitate to talk about this because I know, you know, we're not, I don't like to talk about a lot of fat loss in my content, but the reality is, is that a lot of people are, are wondering how to do this. So I would rather give you information, um, here other than rather than you getting it like on TikTok or something where it's like a little, um, a little less science-based and they're potentially telling you dangerous things. So I would rather you get your information here. So let's go over it. Again, I do think that most women need to be really focused on strength training and building muscle. Again, not just women, all people. And I think that many will add cardio and either cut back on strength training too much or take out strength training altogether if they want to cut fat and maintain muscle mass. If you want to maintain muscle and cut fat, your training would not change too much. Again, I would recommend keeping the same training schedule and just focusing on your RPE. So staying in that five to seven, like rate of perceived exertion. Again, do not take out your strength training. Do not take out your strength training. So keep it there, but just go in more into that maintenance mode. And then for cutting fat, this is mostly uh, nutrition related. And again, check out last week's episode number 77 on body recomposition, but you know, if you're an Evelyn member, definitely check out the macro videos, but from a high level, you'll want to be in a very slight calorie deficit. So you aren't losing muscle and you continue to make sure that you're getting enough protein so that your protein synthesis and your protein degradation can be equal, right? Cause we, again, we don't want to lose any muscle mass. We just want to cut a bit of fat. So no matter what your goal is, light cardio is important, whether you want to build, maintain, or uh, maintain and cut fat you still want to include a little bit of cardio. And this is why we recommend daily walks, you know, 10, 30 minutes does not have to be a ton. And this is not for fat loss, but it's just to get your body moving, right? Because a lot of us are just way too sedentary and it's also for heart health. Um, so I don't recommend adding a significant amount of cardio if you're like trying to cut fat. And there's two main reasons. Number one is that you can quickly develop overuse and inflammation that can actually accelerate muscle loss. And then number two, your body adapts to cardio fairly quickly. So although you may lose a little bit of fat in the beginning, if you start adding more cardio, your body may quickly adapt to that and get used to that cardio routine. So building nutrition habits is truly going to give you much, much more success if you want to maintain muscle mass and cut fat. All right. How do you know, how do you measure whether you're losing or gaining muscle? This is a question I get all the time and it's tricky because if you're gaining or losing muscle 
but not gaining or losing fat, your measurements can still change, right? So you can like gain muscle, but not lose fat and you'll get overall bigger, right? And that's not always a bad thing. Your body composition is still improving. And on the other side of things, you may lose muscle, but not lose fat. And you may look smaller, which is definitely not what we want as well because of all the reasons I talked about earlier. Um, but you can take to measure kind of your body composition and measure how much muscle you have. There's a few things you can do. You can take, um, caliper measurements. You can take pictures. If you take pictures, I recommend, I recommend you do it around the same time of day, around the same time of the month. Um, around like, make sure that you do it like at either before a meal or after a meal, but just do it around the same time because what you eat, how much water you drink that time of the month, all will factor in like how you look in the mirror. So just heads up there. Um, so you can take pictures. Um, there are some scales that can roughly measure muscle mass. I hesitate to have you use those because I think people get too obsessive because they step on it every single day and get in the weeds about little fluctuations. So look at, if you're going to do that, look at trends over months, not those daily fluctuations. And then a more gold standard way to measure would be a DEXA scan, D-E-X-A. And DEXA scans are becoming relatively affordable. If you search a DEXA scan in your area, you could get one maybe twice a year or more to kind of more reliably measure where you're at. And remember, small changes in trends are what you're looking for. Fast changes are generally not sustainable. And like I talked about last week, my personal goal was to gain five pounds of muscle this year, but I've been training for a while. You know, I'm trained. And so gaining five pounds of muscle was a lot for me. If you are newer to training, you might gain more than five muscles pretty easily within a year span because you, you just genetically you'll have a higher ceiling for the amount of muscle that you can add if you are newer to training. But I do recommend of, I do recommend having a goal that's for like a whole year so that you can give yourself a long runway to try new things and be patient and not get discouraged. If you have a month where you fluctuate, um, you can see what's working, you can test, and then you have all of this really reliable data at the end of the year to say, okay, this is what I know works. This is what I know doesn't work. And you don't have to like, you know, diet for the rest of your life and try new things all the time. You're like, okay, I now have the formula of like what kind of works for my body. Um, so if you're noticing things are trending in a direction that you don't want, like if you, um, go into maintenance mode and you lose muscle, I would highly suggest changing one variable at a time. Do not change more than one variable at a time. If you're doing Evlo, those workouts are very effective at loading muscles. I would honestly try, you know, changing and tweaking your nutrition before you change and tweak your workouts. So maybe again, go to the nutrition modules and check those out, but you might try, you know, um, getting more protein and see if see if that works and just do that for a month, change nothing else about your training and see if you, if you're trending again in the, in the direction that you want to go. Um, because I think if you're changing so much at once, you're not going to know what made the change and you won't have very reliable data. Um, and then if you're doing that, the next thing that I would suggest if, if nutrition wasn't it, then I would suggest if you're starting to lose muscle, go back into build mode and try to get to that RP that eight ish RPE instead of staying at six. And maybe you're like, okay, 
I have been at the, a five RPE and I found that I lost muscle over the last month. Maybe for maintenance mode, I need to be at more of a seven RPE. Maybe that's where I need to be for my maintenance mode. So that's something you could try as well. So tweak those small things and remeasure and giving yourself that year long runway will really give you so much reliable data. It's really, really fun and try not to panic or think that it's not working. Um, this learning process is really one of the most valuable things that you can do for yourself. Okay. So to summarize everything that we talked about today, I know I threw a lot at you. Gaining muscle is going to be your best friend as we age. I do suggest if you can, and again, maybe not everyone has access to this, but if you can try to get a DEXA scan and then you can see where your muscle is, where your muscle mass is, and that might help you determine, okay, I do want to add a little bit of muscle or, oh no, I'm good with this. I'm going to maintain. Um, you may consider moving in and out of maintenance, depending on your age, genetics, depending on the season of your life, depending on your aesthetic preferences, you'll want to make sure that you're getting adequate protein and eating enough either way, either if you're in maintenance or if you are in build mode. And again, make sure to check out the macro series on the Evo membership maintenance. As far as training, you're going to be more in that five to seven RPE scale, whereas build, you're going to be more in that eight to nine RPE scale. So towards the end of your set. If you're in maintenance mode, you are around like five to seven out of 10, as far as like effort in the muscle. And then for build mode, you're closer to that eight, nine, as far as effort for the muscle. And then lastly, if you want to measure your muscle mass, you can try getting a DEXA. You can take photos, you can take caliper, uh, measurements, etc. So I hope this was helpful. Please, uh, let us Know how you feel about the podcast by giving a rating and review, and you can put any topic recommendations you have in there. There's also eight free classes in the show notes if you want to try Evlo. All right, everyone. We will see you all next week. Bye for now.